Welcome to the Peace Over Pieces podcast, hosted by Clara Baldwin. Peace Over Pieces is a nonprofit domestic violence organization creating podcasts with victims while providing donations, hotline information, and resources. If you or anyone you know is in need of financial or emotional assistance related to domestic abuse, please visit our website for contact information. Now, without further ado, please enjoy the next episode. Hi, Krista. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming. Hey, Clara. Thanks for having me. I really uh, have been looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. We've been trying to figure out a date for a while now. But for those who don't know, Christo and I actually went to college together. And recently we went to Vegas for a fun getaway trip. What was that, like two months ago now? Yeah, that was uh, like the beginning of August. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Time's flying and it's almost I know, right? It's already November. We're going to be like in Thanksgiving time. And then, yeah, 2022. That's crazy. I know, I know. But yeah, we went to Vegas. I'm also really good friends with his girlfriend, Lillian. Shout out Lillian. She'll probably listen to this. But um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we surprised his girlfriend who's in the military. She was coming home and it was super fun. It was just a really good weekend. So yeah, you're definitely a guest that is closer to me. Most people are strangers, so this is going to be a special episode for sure. No, yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So let's jump into your introduction. I was going to introduce you, but I think it would be better if you just let people know a little bit about you, what you're up to now, where you're from, and so on. Yeah, for sure. So my name is uh, Christo Tabaris. I grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona, Born and raised here. I graduated high school in 2016 uh, from Coconino High School. And then, like Clara mentioned earlier, I attended uh, Westminster, uh, double major in psychology and leadership studies. I also played a little football there. Well, I watched football. I didn't necessarily get a lot of action, <laughs> but it was still a good time. Um, I was also part of a fraternity, Sigma Alpha Epsilon. Shout out to those guys. And yeah, and that's kind of uh, where I got involved with uh, a lot of nonprofit work, also a part of uh, Give and Play, which I'm currently a part of right now. Once I graduated from Westminster, I uh, went right away into uh, my master's program. Um, all goes well. I'll get that degree in the beginning of March um, in industrial organizational psychology. What is your master's? What's the goal for that? So I would like to be a like hiring consultant for uh, organizations that are struggling with retention rate or also organizations that are looking to expand or get bigger. I kind of want to more specifically go into like helping athletic directors, principals, hiring coaches. And, you know, I kind of see this big uh, gap in like uh, the old school way of coaching players and then like how coaches are kind of approaching it now. And especially now that I'm kind of getting into coaching, I see that when I was coaching, it was a lot more like straight nose, like I'm a lot more tough on you, you know what I mean? It's a lot, I'm a yeah, lot more tough yeah. on you. And now it's kind of like, I don't necessarily say you have to coddle a lot of the these young men and women, but it's a little bit different how you have got to approach it. And I think, you know, obviously with technology, social media, and just the way that parents raise their their children these days, I think it's put a big factor. So I think there's a huge gap in, you know, hiring coaches or just hiring these educators that are only there for like a year and then you need to get another person. It's like, I think a lot of these places need stability and psychology and kind of like the realm that I'm going into specializes in kind of helping that. And 
that's kind of the realm that I've always wanted to take and I've always been kind of fascinated with. That's so cool. That's very niche, I feel like. But yeah, sounds like you have it figured out. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of a newer thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So when are you done with your master's? So March. I should be done with my capstone oh, like March 3rd. Yeah. Uh-huh. So awesome. I started in August of like 2020 and then 2022 March. So it was about like a year and a half program. It was a little bit accelerated about like 38 credit hours. So it wasn't too crazy. Um, right. So yeah, it was nice. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So are you planning on staying out in Arizona or are you going to plan on moving? Yeah, I would like to, um, you know, God willing, hopefully Lily can transfer over to the National Guard, the Air Force National Guard over here in uh, Phoenix, or at least, you know, at some point maybe get transferred. That'd be awesome. Uh, closer this way, just because I think I'm, we're, we're, you know, we kind of want to stay in Arizona. I kind of want to move down to Phoenix, my sister too, in this, you know, in these next coming months, especially if I go on and want to try and get my PhD from a uh, Grand Canyon uh, University. So I, I would want to do that in person, just because online's kind of been tough. <laughs> um, yeah, of so course. I kind of want to go back to that in person approach too. So I, you know, I, I would like to stay in Arizona. I got a lot of roots here. Uh, so I, I kind of want to keep establishing. Oh, them, absolutely! You know. It's better than Missouri, that's for sure. You know, it's funny though, Clara. I I love Missouri though too. <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's so. I think that's refreshing to hear. <laughs> you know, coming from Arizona and like not even like fully West Coast, but like the way of living in Arizona is way different than the Midwest. And I was just like, it was just so much more eye opening, especially being Mexican. Being in a fraternity, having all my friends who are like full, you know, white, and it's like the stigma over here is like (laughs) people are going to be like racist or whatever. No, it's like, no, it's just a lot more ignorance. They're a lot more open. They just kind of want to learn those things. So like exactly. for me, that was a huge like wake up and like that was super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like I travel so much and obviously come from an immigrant family, but like I honestly love Missouri. I love Kansas City, especially. And I feel like people aren't, I mean, they're just like more friendly here, I'd say. Like when I travel, people are more closed off and here it's like overcompensate friendly. So for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you for that intro. Obviously, thank you for coming on the podcast and spreading awareness. For people who don't know, Cristo is like one of my biggest supporters for the nonprofit. You are a very frequent donator and just supporter in general. And I I love what you do for your nonprofit as well. I'll link that as well for people to look at and we'll get into that. But um, yeah, so I guess we can just start a little bit about your story. I know we spoke briefly about it, um, in Vegas, I always knew like you were always in touch with Peace Over Pieces, but you never said why. And I just knew like deep down there was something there, but I'm glad we kind of uncovered that on our trip, but I still don't have any details. So um, at your own comfort level, of course, I'm going to begin with these questions. So let's begin with your situation in the past. Can you let us know like what was your childhood like and kind of lead into a situation that we spoke about that makes you feel so passionate about this cause? Yeah, for sure. I think my uh, mom and dad when I was growing up, so from like birth up till I was probably kindergarten, did a pretty good job about you know, putting this picture, I guess, in my head, maybe not so much my sister because she was a little bit older and she's always been the more intelligent of the group. Um, (laughs) But, you know, growing up, they kind of always painted this picture that everything was kind of going okay. And I guess maybe 
looking back at it, I was kind of knew that there might have been something going on with my, you know, mom and dad and kind of the relationship there. Mm. When I was like, you know, in kindergarten age around like five, six, I remember my mom and dad having that conversation with my sister and I kind of that they were going to have a divorce. And it wasn't and I think they wanted it to be that's kind of where they like, okay, we're going to try and keep this still very mutual, very friendly. And then like very quickly after it kind of really didn't go that way in terms of just you know, who's going to keep um, the kids and, you know, how many times a week are we going to, uh, is dad going to see Celeste and me? Is mom going to be able to see us? And I think from a young age, I always gravitated more towards my dad, especially just because, like I said, I was kind of that narrow point of view. I'm, I'm a young kid. I'm a, I'm a young boy. So I'm going to gravitate towards more him. Um, of course. So there'd be many times, you know, even leading up to it where my mom and dad would get into some yelling match or some type of fight where they'd go in the room and my mom would have some type of marks, you know, on her face or like slaps or whatever. Once again, just me playing ignorant. It was kind of like, well, I'm going to stay here with my dad because my dad would put, you know, a lot of things in my head and me just kind of believing that. And, you know, it was kind of that back and forth until finally they kind of had that whole uh, divorce. And even then it was still uh, really yucky. My dad not really helping my mom with child support. My mom trying to really get that money for my sister and I working. My sister and I were really involved from a young age in sports and just after school programs. And my mom didn't necessarily want us to get away from that with everything going on. I think she kind of wanted us to stay distracted. Right. And I think like I have a very almost identical situation to you. It was my dad and my mom and I gravitated towards my dad when I was younger. Um, It was just a lot of like manipulation and you don't realize when you're a little kid. So I was going to ask you, like, did you realize even when they were fighting what was going on? Because looking back, like even when it was physical or there was screaming, I honestly, as a little kid, I just thought it was normal. Yeah. You know, what's funny, Clara, is I did too. And I could probably name like vividly two times when the police came to my house because either my mom had hit my dad or my dad had hit my mom or my mom was like defending herself trying to hit my dad and my dad you know would call the cops or my mom would call the cops and it was always you know this point of view where as a young kid you kind of see like well okay like I see the cops came to my house so like I'm gonna let (laughs) them kind of handle this and it's like I never really saw that they, I don't want to say they didn't take an effort in trying to make something happen, but it's kind of like as an officer coming in, it's kind of like, well, it's your word against our word type thing, I think. Oh, yeah. And that's the hard thing. Exactly. So I never really saw an instance where it was like, okay, well, like my mom's in the wrong here or my dad's in the wrong here. Like, and I think that's why I always gravitated towards my dad until like I started really realizing it like, wow, my mom literally is trying to paint this picture for my dad to make sure that I don't ever view him in this light because my mom understood like he's still the father of these kids. And oh I, my gosh, yeah, that's how my mom is. It's crazy. Yeah. Even to this day, yeah, like my mom, she could say a million bad things about him, but she takes the high road and she's always like, you know what, like that's your dad, your relationship is your relationship, do what you have to do. And even when I was younger, like she could have easily painted this horrible picture of him. And it's funny because like he's the one who painted the horrible picture of her when we were little. And I was like she's not even doing anything to you and you're the abuser but yeah I guess that's how it goes usually no yeah it was crazy because my dad would I I don't remember my dad ever telling me anything uh 
positive about my mother and my mama was doing the complete opposite. And I would know like <laughs> right. a few hours earlier, there was a chance that he had slapped her or he had just treated her, you know, that verbal abuse as well. It was just like, wow, that's just so disgusting now that I really like get older and, you know, more in this space of understanding what individuals go through. And I'm like, wow, your story sounds so similar to my mom's. And it's just kind of like, wow, this reoccurring cycle that just keeps seems to keep happening with a lot of individuals. Right, exactly. So obviously this happened when you're younger. Um, do you remember like a tipping point or a huge moment where you were like, okay, this is not normal. My dad is not doing the right thing to my mom. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, like I said, various points where they were, you know, back and forth and my mom was just trying to get that child support. My dad at this point was kind of gravitating towards a new family. Um, like I said, they divorced and I was like in kindergarten. And then up until when I was like in third grade is when I like stopped complete contact with my dad. And that was probably um, the night that like was my tipping point. Uh, it was a Friday. Like I said, I was in third grade. My sister was in, I, I wouldn't want to say fifth or sixth grade, I believe sixth grade. And week prior, my mom had promised like my Pop Warner football team that she was going to buy us pizza because we had like a really big win the week before. So we practiced at like our uh, neighborhood rec center right next to the high school. Um, and everything was going good. It was like one of those like, you know, picture perfect days. It was a Friday. I think my sister had won like student council president for elementary school. So my mom was also <laughs> super proud of her. It was just one of those days. And I remember we were outside uh, practicing walkthrough and my coach calls me and says, hey, can you come here? And I just see my sister, you know, crying. And I see uh, my mom's a worker at the time. My mom owns a cleaning business. And they had just said my mom's in the hospital. Like, we need to go there now. And I was just like <laughs> kind of starstruck because I was like, well, yeah, my mom was supposed to be here with like food and she wasn't here. We went to the hospital and my mom had been rushed there after uh, being in a serious accident where she broke her femur and she had various like breaks in her uh, like shin area, had to get various screws. And that all happened. Uh, my mom, prior to picking up the pizzas, she was trying to have a discussion with my dad about once again, like child support and all that whole ordeal. And, you know, my dad had her temper um, and my mom was walking away from his car, his truck, trying to go back to her car. And my uh, dad got in his truck and he just kind of zoomed real fast and ran over, like I said, my mom's leg. And it was one of those things where she my gosh, had to uh, get rushed. I don't even necessarily remember the ins and outs of it. Mm -hmm. She was able to call. Someone around her was able to call. Um, and my mom was in the hospital, like hospitalized for I'd say close to a month. My sister and I had to stay with um, a good family friend of ours, uh, Connie and Richard Reese. And then we had stayed with uh, other family friends. That is uh, devastating. Cindy Hammock. And uh, yeah. So yeah, it was devastating just because obviously we couldn't go back to my to my dad. Yeah. There I was mean, a whole case and investigation and just crazy everything kind of going on. For a month she was in a hospital. Yeah. About, about that long time. She wow. almost, like I said, she almost lost her leg. And I mean, you, if you see my mom now, you'll see her walking with her limp. And if you ever see her with like a skirt oh or shorts, she's not afraid to hide it, but she definitely has 
uh, her mark still like, oh, this on her side of her left leg. I mean, breaking your femur, that's like the worst bone you could ever break, right? Yeah, the worst one, the hardest bone in your in your body, I believe, yeah. <laughs> My gosh, and she's amazing. I've met your mom and she is such a sun ray. Like she is so sweet and so full of energy and just such a happy person. I just, that's mind boggling, honestly. Like I can't even imagine, and you're in third grade, you said. and Yeah, I was in third having grade. Having to process that, was, that. Yeah. Did she tell you right away, like, what happened? Or did she say she just was in an accident? I don't necessarily remember if it was, like, the right away. It might have been her or someone else. But I kind of knew that it was a bad accident just because, obviously, my dad wasn't there. Um, we didn't go with my dad. And like I said, there was still a lot of core issues going on where my mom didn't necessarily have sole custody of my sister and I yet to this point. Um, I believe it really wasn't until maybe, like, shoot, Clara, like maybe like two years later until my mom got sole custody of uh, my sister and I. Right. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was just a lot of legal, horrible battles, um, lawyers. And yeah, it it was bad. And, and even then when all that happened with an accident, my dad never had any serious time in prison. There was certain restraining orders like set. Um, he was never charged for assault or anything. No, it was no. Uh, never that charged for anything. That is just insane. No. It was even worse back then than it is now. Yeah, he was maybe kept there for minimum of, you know, the, the night or whatever. But like I said, nothing was ever quote unquote, like proven. Oh my gosh. You know, it's so awkward living in, being in Flax. I love Flagstaff, Arizona. I really do. I grew up in this town. It's given me a lot back. But the one thing that I hate about this town is obviously my dad went on to uh, have another family and the family mm-hmm. still lives in Flagstaff and the kids are now, you know, growing up. One of them, I think, is in high school and it's like, we share the same last name. Have you met them? Yeah, I, you know, I have from the outside and it's really sad. And I think the rough part that I have is that I think they obviously look at my sister and I in this uh, very positive view light. Right. Just because we were good students. We were very involved. I played sports and it's kind of just really shitty because I... I I don't want to have a relationship with them. Of course. But it's like, yeah. they, they don't know any better. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's not their fault, but you're just like, you have no idea the depth of what my relationship is and like what we've been through before you guys came along. So I can't even imagine. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like all I can do and hope for, and I tell my sister this, and I hope that obviously like he can just be what he wasn't for my sister and I, like I, that, you know, at the end of the day, like that's all, that's all I wish for. And I know it sucks for my mom, especially because, you know, I think there was an instance like a month and a half ago where we went to a Pop Warner football game just to cheer on one of the guys that I um, help lessons with. And one of his grandparents had came up to me and said, oh, I have uh, your brother in one of my classes. And my mom just cringes oh, no. every time because it's like, right. well, yeah, you know, if you want to look at it legally, it's like, yeah, but no, I have just one no, sister. No, not really, and, though. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So are you in contact with your dad? Like, I want to get on this subject because right now in this moment of life, like, I am struggling so bad to find a relationship with my dad. Like I completely cut him off, to be honest, for years. And it's just been really hard to go back there mentally. Like every time I see him, you just go back there. You can't help it. And I was just wondering how you deal with that or how often you see him, if at all. No, yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, it's funny because when everything had happened with my mom's accident, 
I think mentally, you know, psychologically, it hurt me the most because I was so close with my dad. Right. And then when that finally happened, it was like, okay, like I can't hide who my dad is now. And then I'd always kind of put him in in this light. And, you know, you know me, it's like, I'm such a mama's boy now and I forever always yeah. be. And I think, I think it has to do obviously with everything that my mom has done for my sister and I, and I see how powerful she is. But I think also like unconsciously, there's like something, you know, in my head that's kind of just like, you know, for so long in these early years of your life, you gravitated towards this man that like, did absolutely nothing to you while your mom was over there in the behind the scenes. And I know my mom doesn't view it that way whatsoever. And I've opened up to her about that many times. But I think, you know, there is something like subconscious there that's telling me like, wow, like your mom really is is that person. And, you know, uh, for for a while in the beginning, regardless of what you did, she never batted an eye at you or did any or treated you any different. Right, right. So that was super, super big. But like I said, I... I struggled for for a long time where I didn't want to see my dad. I was scared that he'd come to my house and he'd like knock on my window because he obviously knew where my room was yeah. in the house. <laughs> you know? I- wow, that's so nice to hear because <laughs> I was always paranoid. Like the first three years after, you know, things blew up with him and my mom, I would have nightmares and paranoid attacks. And yeah, it's awful. Oh, horrible. Yeah. And like I said, I for for years, I didn't talk to him whenever... They went to court. My sister would be the one that would accompany my mom. I, I wouldn't even look look at him. Even the phone. I couldn't even process like full, complete sentences without... Oh, like, I can't imagine. Yeah. Me, yeah. Without me just really like breaking down and just trying to... Uh, like I say, I didn't really... I didn't really have any conversation with my dad like up until I was about to graduate high school. And that was really only because he had the like... Uh, the the signature on uh, some money for my graduation fund and I needed him to like sign it over. So really I went probably mm. like from third grade. I might have saw him like three times at most, like in his like around town or he'd try to go to one of my games and just stand way out in the field or whatever. Wow. But it wasn't until like I was close to 17, 18 um, that I, you know, had a conversation where he asked me, you know, obviously where I was going to college. And I told him obviously the whole Westminster thing. Um, That's crazy. And yeah, yeah, I, it, I, went, I went a long time for sure. And still, I, I still don't uh, have any, you know, communication with him. Like I said, my sister had seen him maybe like a month and a half ago, just because, you know, Flagstaff isn't the biggest town. So you're bound to run into people from time to time. Sure. But, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's very interesting. And it's, I mean, I feel like everyone I've talked to in a similar situation, they're like, yeah, I opened him back up with, you know, I opened up back to him, I guess, in my life and like let him in. But for me, I'm just like at this point where I feel like blood doesn't make you like obligated to have a relationship with each other. Um, oh, absolutely I, not. Yeah. I mean, like every time I let my dad in personally, it would just really screw me over and something devastating would happen every time. And after like 10 times of giving that chance, it's just like, okay, just because you're my dad doesn't mean like you have the rights to have a relationship with me and like I can just cut that out so I have a positive life. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's nice to hear from you, but it's like nice to relate that like not everyone is able to let in someone that easily again. Oh, absolutely. And I think that everyone, and obviously there's different types of situations, but I don't think that there's anything wrong with like completely 
shutting out a person from your life and just not dealing with that. You know, some people might say that you should confront that person and you're just avoiding your problem or whatever. But I don't have any feeling of, you know, any types of feeling towards my dad, nor do I want to have a conversation with my dad to ask him genuinely, you know, why did you do what you did? Why weren't you there Mm -hmm. for my first touchdown? Why weren't Mm -hmm. you there for to pick me up after practice? Because at this point, I'm 23 years old. I'm a young, successful individual. And yes. of course, my I have my mom and I have my friends and I have everyone to thank. But at the end of the day, like I did it for me. I, I grew up with a single mom and my sister and I was involved in, you know, masculine things in terms of sports and stuff. And I didn't I have love that this. dad. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I don't <laughs> yes. have, I don't, I, he doesn't deserve it now. And I think that it would be a shame to my mom if I become as successful as I hope to be and as she sees that I'm going to be. And I go and talk to him about, you know what, dad, I made it and screw you because you weren't here. It's just better off to be like, you know what, I made it and I don't need it. I don't need him to know about it. Oh my gosh. I love this because I feel like we live the same exact life in this aspect because yeah, I'm the same way. I'm just like, the reason why I feel so driven in life and I'm almost thankful for my upbringing is because it pushes you and even like the darkest times I'm grateful for because it makes you a better person and it makes you sympathetic towards other and grateful and you work really hard and I don't know. And so, yeah, the last time I talked to my dad, he was just putting me down like, you're not shit, like you're nothing without me, blah, blah, <laughs> blah, this. <laughs> wow, yeah, and then that, I was like, right. oh, you have no idea that I'm... I have a great relationship right now. You don't even know him. And then I sent him links to my businesses he had no idea about. And he was just like, what? He's like, this is all bullshit. Like you think you're something you're not. I don't know. But it feels so good just to be like, I don't care about what you have to say about the past and like having you defend yourself. I just want to show you that I'm doing all this on my own. My mom is thriving. My siblings are thriving. And guess why? It's because like you're cut out of this life and it's just the best kind of revenge. Yeah. I mean, revenge is a terrible word, but like, you know, positive revenge, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, it's like, we all need, we all have different motivators, different internal motivators that kind of drive us. And, you know, I, like you said, I don't think I would be here. I sure as hell don't think that my sister would be where she's at. Cause like I said, I think my sister got more of the, the grunt end of exactly what you're saying, where my dad would be like, you know, you ain't gonna amount to anything. You're not gonna do this, and it's like, yeah. meanwhile, my it's sister always the daughter. Is like, I don't yeah, know why. Exa- yeah, for some it's reason, so yeah, weird. absolutely. Yeah, because my brother, so he, I mean, he got the bad end of the stick too, but nothing compared to how much I got it, like with my dad. And I think it's because the girls are more, more feisty and more stubborn, and like being like, I don't know if we just we just don't bow down to what they say or anything. But absolutely, absolutely, very interesting. So I guess the next topic that I'm interested in talking to you about is. How did that upbringing affect you or if it did at all? Like, you know, just advice for people who grow up and they're trying to make real relationships, like even you and Lily or possible previous relationships. Like, did you notice any, I guess, insecurities or things you had to work on? Or, you know, because like for me, an example is in my previous relationships, I always was like thinking like, oh my gosh, I think my dad's inside of me. Or like if I got angry for even a second, I was like, oh gosh, like my dad's inside of me. Like, I don't know. Like I just had these insecurities and it would affect my relationships. And I also pushed guys away a lot because I had no trust there. So I was just interested in seeing how 
you deal with that in your current relationships? I think it's definitely been a positive in my relationships, both romantically and just, you know, professionally or in a friendly manner. I think especially, you know, with my girlfriend, Lily, you know, I... Oh my gosh, yeah. You treat her like a queen. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah. Like I, I grew up with this understanding that you don't necessarily need to be the caregiver to your girl. You need to have someone who wants to be that teammate. You know what I mean? I think that... Yes, I love that. Seeing my mom and my sister and how independent they are, it's always been seeing what they want from a guy and their point of view is someone who views them as, like I said, that teammate who isn't necessarily their caregiver, who isn't necessarily there to just like do whatever for them, but is someone who will do that when the time is needed or, you know, in any given situation, but just someone who views them as like, you know, I understand that women can be powerful and leaders and not necessarily just women being in nurturing roles. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's something Mm -hmm. that I, I, I found growing up with my mom and sister and I, I take it with my relationship every single day. And I constantly, um, push my girlfriend to taking those risks and understanding that, you know, like, I never want you to feel that once you get way more successful and way more, um, start thriving way more and start really finding way more of her shell. Cause I constantly tell her that there's going to come a point where she is way more successful than I am. And I'm just going to be there clapping it up and telling (laughs) everybody that's mine. I don't want her to feel that I'm, um, you know, scared of that, or I'm intimidated by that. I want her to feel that I'm there to help her thrive even so much more and to be that blanket, that cushion, that pillow if she does end up making a mistake and falling. And then we'll go back up and doing it. You know, I think especially seeing my mom and her growing up and her just, you know, hustling, cleaning houses, you know, five days of the week to make sure that my sister and I have beautiful clothes, beautiful, et cetera, et cetera. It's like my dad would get Mm -hmm. pissed off working in a factory, seeing my mom out here just thriving and doing doing everything, paying our mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So oh my it's like, gosh, that's amazing. That for me is the biggest example that like I will take is that I am going to be successful and I'm going to get mine. I know I am. But like, I also want someone who has that mentality too and who is going to be there to, you know, understand that like this is a, a teammate type endeavor that, you know, I'm going to need you just as much as you need me and it shouldn't be the other way around. I really like that. I so agree with that. Just sitting back and thinking like the next question was going to be, you know, I guess advice for healthy relationships. But I am so on that page because the teammate concept is awesome because all I've ever wanted in a relationship is someone who will be like my partner in everything. And I truly believe like it's fine if you have a healthy relationship in another way. But I personally, I've always craved like financially, spiritually, physically, we are doing 100%, 100% of the time. Like, it's not like we switch off or, you know, someone is being nurtured, like you said. I really love how in my relationship now with Al, like, it just feels so balanced. And that is something in an abusive relationship. Like, with my mom and dad, I noticed that when she made more money or if she was the most social in the room, he would try and dim her light in every way Absolutely. because they feel insecure. And they feel like when they're insecure, then they're more wanted than them. And it's crazy narcissist behavior. But like, it's just like every little thing like that really leads to an abusive relationship and them fighting because I don't know, like my mom is obviously, she's kind of like your mom, like 
just crazy fun, smiley, like everyone loves her. And he was insecure about that, would dim that. She would make more money than him sometimes. He would take hold of all of the financials, take her money, put it in his account under his name. Yeah, I guess just finding a healthy relationship. It's all about finding that balance and that partner and just finding the same page in a healthy way. Oh yeah, for sure. And like you said, I think if anything that I kind of cling on or will think about in my current relationship that I'm kind of like, okay, Christo, crap, like I kind of need to snap out of it is, you know, I understand how scary the world can be and not even in an insecure or jealous way, but it's like my girlfriend is a very social individual. You know her. She loves just Mm -hmm. everyone. She will always see the good in people and she'll go out and she'll have fun. And I want her to do that. It's just sometimes for me, it's always like, not that I want to know like, you know, keep me updated on a regular basis. Like, I just want her to understand like where I come from. And it's like, from any instance, there could always be something that happens. And I think like an experience that she's been in and like, obviously we've been in a relationship for a while now. She understands where I come from. I think sometimes for me, it's like, I have to find the happy medium of like not being an asshole and being like, don't go out. It's like, okay, babe, go out. <laughs> no, of but course. Be, you know, yeah. be responsible. And that's, like, that's I just different. Want, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, I feel like you're coming from love and like a defense, like a, not defense, a protective place. And exactly, I feel like yeah. with the abusive situations, they're not doing it for the other person's good. They're doing it for their own selfish reasons. Like, I'm not loved enough by others. Like, I want to dim your light, you know, kind of thing. So obviously that would never be you guys. You guys are like the life of the party and so fun <laughs> all the time. But yeah, um, Awesome. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I feel like we connect on a lot of things like that. But I wanted to close the podcast on one more question I ask all guests. And that is, if you could offer a young Christo some advice on navigating life, what would it be? Uh, <laughs> if I had a young offer young Christo some advice on navigating life, I think that I would... Um... Tell him to, you know, appreciate those uh, those dark times, you know, a little bit more in the sense where I think I never really realized that once I got out of, you know, certain dark times, when whether it be my mom being in her accident or whether me going to counseling all the time or whether it be, you know, me feeling like I don't have that father figure and I'm kind of left out of the group, I, I think that I would just tell that Christo that to look at every single one of those moments as that big learning stepping curve. Because I don't necessarily think that I really looked at those uh, mm-hmm. those moments as lessons until, shoot, you know, I got out of high school and I moved yeah, off takes a to while. Missouri. <laughs> you know, it, mm-hmm. it takes a while. So I, I think uh, I, I would tell that to Cristo to just, you know, look at those uh, dark times as those lessons and that understand that they're not going to be there forever. And you're going to, you know, from those lessons, you're going to, you're going to be something that you're going to be really proud of. And I think that's always just kind of why I've been like that smiley kid. And I would just tell that Criso to keep smiling because it it Mm -hmm. definitely paid off to keep smiling, especially on those dark days. That's really good advice. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I feel the same way. It's like the dark times are going to happen, but uh, it does take a while and you wish it didn't take a while, but it really does form you into a good person. And Yeah, I'm just very thankful you came on today and I appreciate you more than you know. Can't wait to share this because you are the second guy to come on this podcast and I really needed more male representation. So thank you so much for coming on. No, yeah, I appreciate it. I uh, appreciate you having me on. And yeah, Claire knows how much I feel about her and everything she does. And I honestly just wish you and Alex the absolute best. I love you guys. and <laughs> Thank you. Same to you and Lily. You know, I'm always going to be here supporting you and supporting every uh, endeavor that you take on. And seriously, thanks again for everything. Thank you.